this kind of, of networking within a state within a state first really, to my knowledge, identified by Peter Dale Scott. He wrote this essay in the 70s called Parafascism and Transnational Repression, something like that. It eventually gets published in Lobster. And it's uh, he's talking about he talks about the Latalier assassination in Washington, which was done by Operation Condor people who were part of the Chilean and Brazilian and Argentine um, security services, right? That were like satellites of the CIA, but then they were working with drug dealers, et cetera, et cetera, just like the CIA has, but it's like sort of outsourced to the CIA. And then they eventually murder someone in the U.S. And so this kind of thing emerged, you know, you, the Susserlich thing is a dramatic uh, exposure of this. But if the U.S. were interested in looking at these things, they got exposed in the U.S., uh, earlier, they got, you know, in the 1970s, these things happened. And in the, in the aftermath of Watergate, lots of the intelligence investigations show these sort of similar things. But Gladio in Turkey is an example of well, what Peter Aaron, Scott I'm sorry called parafascism. Yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off, Aaron. I, I just wanted to really just put a, a pin in that idea um, or just emphasize that idea of the Letelier assassination because it's not that well known. I mean, this should be so scandalous. This is an example of these same kinds of gladio terror operations happening on U.S. soil. But Orlando Letelier was a, a major diplomat and an ally of um, Salvador Allende in Chile. And of course, everyone knows that in 1973, the CIA organized the coup to overthrow Allende. And then after that, the, the so-called DINA, the horrible you know, stas, um, SS-style secret police of Pinochet, would, would go and hunt Chilean diplomats and, and left-wing politicians around the world and murder them. And this was an example of one of these assassinations happening in Washington, D.C., like not On that Embassy far from Row. the White House. And not yeah. only was Orlando Leterrier murdered, but also there was a U.S. citizen who, who worked for a left-wing think tank, um, Ronnie Ron. Moffitt. Yeah, and she worked for the Institute for Policy Studies, the IPS, which still exists today. So this is an example of Gladio happening not only in Europe, but also in the U.S. Right. Yeah, on Embassy Row. It was, it was Sheraton, Sheraton Park where, where all that happened. And it, and it just, you know, right in the heart of it. I mean, I, I think in some way that's symbolic of like, we'll come get you anywhere, even even on our home turf, right in the right next to the White House. We don't care. Yeah, it later emerged that people like Bush and Kissinger, because Bush was CIA director at the time, that they were involved in somehow not allowing these cables to go through in a way that could have led to their like apprehension of these guys beforehand. The guy who carried it out, Michael Townley, was a was an American, was a white guy, and uh, he had some. I believe they were ex, you know, Cuban expat compatriots, because uh, that's what they did with the, the these sort of fascists from Cuba. They get deployed into like parafascism, these parafascist networks that, like we saw emerge in Turkey in 1996. And uh, my, Michael Townley, it's funny, but he's that's the name that they give a guy in Grand Theft Auto, which I think is a callback to that. Grand Theft Auto Five has a character named Michael Townley who is like been worked as a government informant and as a as a low-level organized crime person for a while so that had to have been a reference to that and additionally if you see the movie scarface there's kind of a uh, allusion to that where they're driving around and they're going to blow somebody up and tony montana actually is like he like realizes this is like too immoral even for him you know tony montana the biggest cocaine dealer fictitious of course that oliver stone you know he wrote that story but in scarface 
Tony Montana is like, no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> and then he shoots the guys uh, in the head, as I recall. Uh, so it's like Oliver Stone saying, like, even Tony Montana is like not as reprehensible as the guys that like run the CIA and the and the deep state and such. So this is, you know, the the parafascism or the anti-communist international. The U.S. puts that back together. Uh, the the anti-communist international was the real name for the Axis powers, like the treaty that they signed. It was the anti-comintern pact, and the U.S. reassembles these guys after. Uh, World War II, and they are used as assets in the Cold War to do just stuff like that they were involved in in Turkey and that they were involved in with the Letalier assassination uh, and all these coups that they stage all over the place. Uh, this is this is part of the deep state. And um, so this it emerges in, you know, it, it could have emerged in the U.S. in the 70s, but those investigations were not very good. They were ultimately, you know, limited and compromised, and the CIA was able to stonewall in the media Really, ultimately, even though they had been in sort of crusader mode because of Watergate, they do not really push forward on the issue of the intelligence agencies afterwards. They mostly act to limit them. They really hamstring the House Select Committee on Assassinations that was supposed to investigate JFK and RFK and MLK and did find that it was a conspiracy behind the JFK assassination in all probability. And also for the MLK one, they don't really do much on RFK, but they were trashed by the media and uh, so nothing really, really comes of it. And then in the Susserlich thing happens in 1996. And it's really only known to people who follow these things very closely. It's not something that's talked about much in the United States. And so here you see like the power of e even when these institutions can partially investigate some of these things and bring some of the facts to light, they run into a wall of state secrecy when it comes to uh, finding real accountability. And the media is downplays the significance of these things. They also are not issues that you want to study in academia or write about if you are trying to stay in the mainstream. And so they just exist there in the historical record as these things that just make you scratch your head. We And we, you know, we had recent incidents like this too. The Epstein thing is like that, where it's like, it points to some dark, fascistic element of the state, and there's really no plausible explanation for it that you could put in your head and allow you to like have these sort of liberal democratic ideas about what the U.S. actually is, and yet there it is. But the, the deep state becomes something in an, it, that, that circulates enough in culture and, and society as we look around at events to where it, even, it starts to break into the mainstream. Now, I'm thinking of uh, in 2013... The New York Times actually wrote about it. You can put the slide up here. And uh, they said that uh, the New York Times 2013 asserted that deep state was an important new term and defined it as... New, new term. <laughs> yeah, right. A hard to perceive level of government or super control that exists regardless of elections and that may thwart popular movements or radical change. Some have said that Egypt is being manipulated by its deep state. So this was after the Arab Spring, you know, sweeps away the uh, Mubarak regime in, who was a U.S. puppet, but then he, they, they, they end up electing a Muslim Brotherhood guy who has some policies that the Egyptian military or the U.S. that they disapprove of. And so there's another coup. And then the New York Times replied, reports that Egypt, you know, maybe Egypt has a deep state. Who knows? Now, what really is the Egyptian deep state? Probably very similar to the Turkish deep state in that it's a, a crazy wall of corruption that, you know, behind which is probably, probably the U.S.
the CIA. Yeah, also, this is, this is a, an object lesson in, in great journalism. Some have said that Egypt is being manipulated by its deep state. Some have said great journalism. Some have said the New York Times is a propaganda mouthpiece for the U.S. government. I mean, at least in that case, because this is a common tactic of the corporate media, is if there's something that they want to say, they'll use that kind of like, you know, way critics, to introduce it. Critics say. Some people say, or people are saying, or, yeah. But in this case, and it's usually to say something that they want to get out there that's kind of irritating and establishment friendly. Here, this one is like, at least they're getting at like, yeah, okay, Egypt has a deep state. Although that's, you know, what really, they're never going to get at what that really is. That was just an excerpt from the American Exception podcast. To hear the whole episode, as well as archived and new episodes, please subscribe to the American Exception podcast at Patreon. There's a link in the show notes, or you can just go to patreon.com slash American Exception. Subscribe and you can join us as we illuminate the dark side of the U.S. empire. 